Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Synergy. 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 Adventure. 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 Responsibility. Responsibility. Intimacy. Achievement. Achievement. Advancement. Determination. Focus. This is my year. Honey, so? What do you think? Yeah. Motivation. Integrity. Determination. Synergy. Come on, honey. You're not even listening to me. I mean, I have a poster and everything this time. This is perfect. I mean business. Jack? This is my year. I promise. It's that time of year again, isn't it? New Year's is coming. It's almost too early to wish you a Happy New Year, but I do wish you a Happy New Year. And I'm excited. I always love preaching this sermon, the one that precedes to New Year, to talk about growth and challenge. And my question this morning is simply this. How is your vision? Do you have vision or 2020 vision? If you were to rate your sensory organs, how would you rate them? You have five sensory organs. Touch, taste, smell, hearing, and sight. Do you know which one is most important and primary among human beings? It would be sight, number one. Number two, hearing. You know what number three is? Touch. And then smell, and then taste. Now, something that you might know is that our sight helps you taste. Seeing helps you taste. Did you know that? It's primary. Because you only taste five things. Sweet, sour, salt, and bitter. And there's one more. Do you know what it is? Huh? No. Wrong. Now, you've been using them all your life, and you don't even know this. So this is an educational moment. Umami. How many of you ever heard of umami before? Don't lie. One person. Umami. You know what that is? It's that meaty taste that you get from meat and eggs and cheese. It's the glutamate in monosodium glutamate. You know what that is? That is that taste. So you only taste five things, and so you actually taste better if you see it. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. Sight, we process 80% of what we experience through our sight. Sight is our most important sensory organ. And we're very deficient without it. But how is your spiritual 
site today. And, and our vision, I, I just realized we're going into 2020, and so we should have 2020 vision spiritually, shouldn't we? And 2020, 2020 is 20, at 20 feet, you see an item that a normal person would see at 20 feet. That's how, how we grade that. Now, some of us have weaker eyes, some of us have stronger eyes, but 2020 is average sight. What, what I find interesting is a lot of us wear corrective glasses or have uh, contacts like I do today, or you've had LASIK surgery to improve your sight for a while. But what is your sight like? What is your vision like? The Apostle Paul, persecutor of the church, great missionary, writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote to the group in Philippi, the book of Philippians, while he was in chains in Rome, and this is what he wanted them to know. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Not that I've made it my own, but Jesus Christ has made you his own. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are his, and he is yours. Now, this is not going to be popular, what I'm going to tell you right now, is that what he's doing right there is he's acknowledging that he wasn't perfect. Now, if the Apostle Paul wasn't perfect, then what, that, what does that say about you? That you're not perfect either. I am not perfect either. And hopefully, in our communion time, every Sunday, you go before the Lord and you say, Father, I've, I've not arrived. I've made some mistakes. I've sinned. I've fallen short. Thank you for the, the grace that was shown to me at Calvary. The blood that was shed. The sacrifice that was given for our forgiveness for our sins. So we have to acknowledge that. And that's not always fun. But that's reality. That's, that's you know, a lot of times you don't want preach. You want preachers to be pretty perfect, but not act like they're really perfect. But there's kind of this double-edged thing that goes on. So if I act too perfect, then, then I'm, 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 think I'm full of myself. And then if I'm, if I don't act perfect enough, then, you know, I'm just a slob. And there's no happy medium for preachers. But this morning I want to look at this spiritual sight and not reaching perfection, but striving for perfection and maturity. And let's look at, there's one thing, three parts here that I want to look at. And, and continuing these verses, if you continue with me in Philippians chapter 3. Wait for it. Here it is. He writes, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. I like what Mike Iaconelli writes. Mike, Mike Iaconelli has already died. He was the founder of You Specialty with a partner. And, and he writes about spirituality. And this is what he says. Spirituality is not a formula. It's not a test. It is a relationship. Spirituality is not about competency, it's about intimacy. Spirituality is not about perfection, it's about connection. The way of the spiritual life begins where we are now in the mess of our lives. 
Accepting the reality of our broken, flawed lives is the beginning of spirituality. Not because the spiritual life will remove our flaws, but because we let go of seeking perfection and instead seek God, the one who is present in the tangledness of our lives. Spirituality is not about being fixed. It is about God being present in the mess in the mess of our unfixedness. Now, isn't that where we are? We're broken. And in our brokenness, in our tangledness, in our unfixedness, there is where our spirituality lies in following Jesus. Forgetting what lies behind. As a church, we've done a lot of great stuff in the last eight years. And I'm really excited about new stuff. Uh, I mean, our welcome area, the FCC Cafe, there was, believe it or not, there was no coffee eight years ago when you walked in. There were no donuts. There were no cookies. There was no juice. How terrible was that? We didn't even know it. The whole lobby, the whole connections, the whole pastoral care ministry did not exist. In fact, where you're sitting right now was pink. It wasn't brown. The lighting, the, the, the spotlights, the sound, everything you're experiencing in this room was not here. Believe it or not, everything has changed. And yet I'm accused of not leading change. It's been so incremental that you probably haven't even noticed it. It's been an exciting time for our church. It's, it's been a solidifying and unifying time. But there's been a lot of changes, a lot of improvements. And we want to f- not forget that, but we want to learn from that. And even in our lives, we want to forget the past, but we want to learn from it. We want to improve upon it. But you want to live with your back to the past. Your back to the past. But when Satan comes and reminds you of your past, and and we're blessed and we're happy for people that have past, that come to Christ seeking and are desperate for an answer, like so many of us were. But when, when Satan reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Don't let him take you there. Because God has a future. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your lives. Second, forward to what lies ahead. Philippians 3.13 says, And straining forward to what lies ahead. (coughs) This is giving every effort and every focus to improvement in our walk with Christ. Taking that next step. Let's, I want to play a game of pretend with you. Will you play with me? Okay. Now, I want you to pretend that you've lost 30 pounds and you are in tenacious mountain climbing shape. Never in your life have you been more ready and more fit. Are you with me? Okay. And we're going to climb a nearly impossible peak that you've been wanting to climb for all of your life. Still with me? And I'm going to be your belay, and I'm going to protect you from falling. 
and you're climbing. Monica, you're with me? I can see that smile. You're ready. I, I, I mean, she's like looking at me like I am crazy right now. And, and you scramble up, but it gets hard. And you fall, and I catch you. I mean, I tighten the rope, and you don't go very far. But you, but you look back at me, and you're saying, Chris, I'm done. I'm over it. And I look up at you, and I say, I think you can do it. I know you can. And you're a little bit either in a huff, or you're a little bit aggravated at this point with me. Because we've climbed a lot this day, but this is the final climb. We're getting to the top. So you reluctantly, you give me a look like some of you are right now, and you try again. And guess what? You fall, and I stop you again. You say, I'm done. I've tried. I'm over it. And I look at you again, and I say, you can do it. I believe in you. You can do it. You've got it within you. And so you try again and you fall. You look back at me and you're over it. You're done. And I said, I'm not letting you down. Sorry. Try again. And you're mad now. But guess what? This time you make it all the way to the top. It's exhilarating. You never thought you could do it, and you've done it. You don't know how, but because I've encouraged you and I've held you accountable and I've pushed you beyond what you thought you could, you were able to. Now, how do you feel? You feel pretty good now? Absolutely. Because it takes that to grow and to change. We've got to live in the future. Since 1908, I'm going to change, change gears with me. Since 1908, the British Cycling Olympic team had only won one medal in the Olympics. In fact, there was this bicycle corporation that was well known. They, they asked to buy their bikes, and they would not sell them their bikes because they would hurt their reputation because they rode them if they would ride them. Does that make sense? They didn't want them riding their bikes because their bikes were better than their team. But they hired this guy named David Brailsworth around early 2000s. And, and what he did was he took that team and he made very small improvements, like one percentage improvements, like they rubbed their tires with alcohol before they raced. They, they changed the seat to make it more comfortable. They changed what they wore to be more aerodynamic. And they, they, they slowly and, and carefully made little improvements, hundreds of them. And by the Olympics, Beijing Olympics in 2008, they won 60% of the gold medals because those little micro-improvements made such a difference. In, in, in the 2012 Olympics in London, they, they broke seven world records. No, is that right? No, yeah, seven world records and nine Olympic records. A lot of times we think we got to change everything, and it's just small little changes that bring the quality up every time. 
So what kind of little changes are you making in your life? When I, I think about our church and, and what we've done, they've been little changes. We have a strategic plan, and I'm really excited about some things that we're going to do and, and in the process of doing. We're still working that Facebook Live thing out. We're, we're growing and we're getting better at our life groups. And, and I would encourage every one of you, there are, are challenges in leadership, in raising that next generation of leadership that we're working on. In fact, our 10-year strategic plan is, is uh, here, here's what, it, what our, our main theme is, spiritual maturity, the final frontier. Our job is to ignite and multiply Christ-led influencers to boldly impact the world. And we have this opportunity this year, in 2020, year coming, August 6th and 7th, to be a, a, a sponsor of the Global Leadership Summit. It was going to leave the Wabash Valley, and we're going to have an opportunity to join leaders across the nation and around the world in a simulcast and share and hopefully inspire the next generation of leaders in the Wabash Valley. I think that's super important for our church. If, if our elders pass on and nobody takes up the baton and carries it, then where will our church be? We've got to think about that next generation. It's so important. As leaders get better, everyone gets better. And that's the way it is in Christ. And look at what Paul writes in, in chapter 3, of, of verse 14 of Philippians. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We focus on the goal. You all remember some of the product fails of recent. Can you think of a product fail? A company that had a product fail recently? Anybody? What's that? Tesla? And, and it was the car? The glass? The bulletproof glass? Absolutely. Now, is Tesla's business making glass? No. No. I'm, I'm thinking about the Samsung 7. Anybody remember the Samsung 7 that you couldn't get on an airplane with? Remember that? Right now, I think a product fail would be vaping right now. Don't you? I mean, uh, the, the harmful effects of vaping. Now, I'm not a vapor, but if... <laughs> our life is a vapor, but I'm not a vapor. But <laughs> obviously, what they're trying to do is reduce the nicotine and reduce the health problems with our teenagers and, and, and try to... Stop smoking. That's what the, the tobacco business is saying they're trying to do. But obviously it's not working. and It's more harmful. We're seeing more problems with it. But they're, we're getting off a lot of times with these new products in line. I, I, th I think of one that I was reading about. It was when Cheetos and Frito-Lay got into the lip balm business and the Cheetos flavor lip balm failed. You remember that? Now, some of you aren't old enough to remember the new Coke product. Do you remember the old Coke and the new Coke, and they brought back the classic Coke? Do you remember that? How many of you guys remember that? That's been a while. That's been a while. But a lot of times, companies fail when they get away from their main thing. And a lot of times, churches do the same thing. 
We, we say our vision every week. And, and for some of you, you think, probably, why do we do that? Guiding people home is our vision. Three words, because you can remember it. It's the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all the world. You know, teaching them, baptizing them, and making disciples that will obey. That simple, guiding people home. Leading them to a loving father. We sang about that this morning. Good, good father. Loving father, caring family. The church is to be a caring, loving family. A lot of you are coming back to God and to formal, organized religion, but you're really, really careful because you've been burnt by religion. The reality of it is that Jesus never intended for a religion. He intended for you to have a relationship with him. Leading them to a loving father, caring family, and a life-changing faith. That when we follow Jesus and we focus on Jesus and Jesus is the center and our focus, then we will become like him. When we get off track of that as a church or as an individual, we're missing the point. We become ineffective. And in fact, the danger is that not only are we ineffective, but we are detrimental to the cause of the kingdom of God. We fail in that moment. It is so, so very important that Christ be the center of our lives because he alone can change us to be what he wants us and makes us. And then, then we live out our values. Our churches, we believe the Bible from the front cover to the back cover. I'm reading a book right now called Grace Without God. I was sharing about that in our Christmas Eve service. This is about this uh, a woman who's an atheist who had grown up in a formal uh, Christian religion and left it, and she married somebody of a different faith. And, and what, what she finds out, the statistics are that 80% of people that marry someone outside of their faith, their kids end up with no faith. And now we have this group that is growing, like 20% of Americans uh, claim nothing, and they are called nuns, N-O-N-E-S, because they don't have a faith. Because they've been turned off by religion, but they've never known the God of relationship that we sing about in Good, Good Father, or Jesus Christ, who we are supposed to be following, because he's supposed to be the center of our lives. And so around you every day, there are people that don't believe in anything. And this woman is trying to resolve her relationship without a religion and trying to do that, trying to find a sense of belonging and purpose and meaning without God. Now, don't you think that would be pretty hard? I haven't read the end of the book yet, but I'm, I, I, she's making up every excuse she can think of to try to avoid a relationship with God because of religion. I'm going to actually, I think I'm going to get her email address, write her a letter and just say, why are you working so hard to avoid the God who is calling you into relationship with him? Why, why are you trying to do that without him when all he's done is done everything for you, for you to be in relationship with him? Isn't that crazy? It's so hard without him. So as we press on toward the goal, we need to have worthwhile goals in our life. Christ led goals to follow. 
Now, this time of year, we talk about resolutions, and I don't know if you're praying into resolutions yet or not, but I hope you do, and I hope you spend some time every year just thinking about what what is my next step. Now, if you think about music and resolution in music, it's the consonant and the dissonant harmony lines that finally resolve themselves. If you're a graphic artist and you think about resolution, you think about pixels and picture quality. If you're a chemist and you think about resolution, it's taking the elements and bringing them down to the most simple form. But when you think about resolution, do you think about firm determination of being led by God to have a goal or a purpose or taking that next step in your faith? Do you think about that? Philippians chapter 3, verses 15, Paul wraps up this section of, of Scripture with this. He says, let those of you who are mature think this way. And that mature is the same word that he uses for perfection in the beginning, that he says he's not perfect, perfect, perfected, but then he calls us to maturity. Think this way. And if anything you think, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to that we have attained. He says, hold on, hang on, be resolved in your life. And I would call it going for broke. Have you ever gone for broke in anything? You ever just risk it all, push it all out there? Like jumping out of an airplane. Have you ever done anything like that? That would be like taking all of your assets and putting them all out there and saying, I'm going to bet all of that on this being a success. You ever do that? I've done it a few times. Scariest thing I've ever done. Scariest thing I've ever done. I don't always understand that I'm doing that and taking those kind of risks at times. But, but when you do that, your determination, your determination level and your resolution level goes way, way up because you're committing everything. Now, I would challenge you in 2020 to take it to that level, to put it all out there, to go for broke. The most frustrating thing I experience as a pastor is seeing people that are able and capable and have the means and have the ways and don't improve, don't grow, don't change, don't move, don't take the next step. They're happy where they are. And it becomes too common to accept the status quo. It becomes too easy. We get into our comfort zone and we don't ever break out. I believe one mark of spiritual maturity is the desire to go on with Christ. There are higher mountains, higher peaks, and I believe that you can do it. Amen? Will you please stand as I pray? Father, I just so thank you for your love for us, that you are our Father. And Father, I just pray that as your people, as your flock, that we would never be content 
where we are in relationship with you. We would never be content as a church body that we'd always desire to grow, to take a risk, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. With the right heart and with the right motivation, Father, we just pray that you will speak into our lives. And if you're in agreement with this prayer, would you please raise your hand with me and say, I just want whatever God has for me. I want to take that next step in my life, in my walk with him. Thank you for raising your hand. Father, I just pray for those that raise their hands that, that want to go beyond the status quo, who want to climb that next peak to make that difference, that want to have vision in 2020. I just pray that you bless them, that you give them your grace to make that difference for your kingdom in their lives, in their families, wherever they are, Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.